Well, welcome again to South Point. My name is Tanner. I'm on staff here. Uh, glad that you have joined us uh, today, whether in person here or online. And uh, if you are brand new with us, let me take just a minute to introduce us. Really what we are all about at South Point is we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love. Uh, and for, for us, that, that does mean Sunday mornings. It means also beyond that and taking God's love uh, outside of these doors as we leave by the way that we live our lives uh, and helping other people experience that as well. Uh, we think there's nothing better than the unconditional love of God, and we see this in the person of Jesus. Uh, so this year, what we are doing uh, in our teaching time here on Sunday mornings, we're teaching through a whole gospel, a whole biography of Jesus in Scripture, written by one of his closest friends named John. And we do this, we break up our, our whole year teaching into different series, four to six to eight weeks at a time. And, uh, and this series that we're in right now is called I've Got a Story for You. Uh, we're pairing stories where people encounter Jesus in the Gospel of John uh, and pairing that with, with people who at South Point have experienced Jesus and how he has impacted their lives. Uh, and so you will be hearing from a couple people uh, today uh, for whom that has been the case. Uh, but first I want to read a portion of the book of John, starting in chapter 1, uh, verse 43. So the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Now, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about the prophet's about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? <laughs> what a question. Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you. While you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So in this brief story here, we see two lives changed. Uh, we see Philip first meet and encounter Jesus, and then after he truly experiences him, he says, I've got to introduce my friend Nathaniel to this person, Jesus, and that's what he does. He simply says, come and see. Uh, so today we're going to hear a story from Isaac and Nick, uh, their story about uh, how they have encountered Jesus, very similar to, to Philip and Nathaniel, so let's give them a warm South Point welcome. That felt much smoother than last service. Last time, Nick and I were awkwardly standing up there as Tanner was, was talking, and it was the worst. Um, so yeah, I'm Isaac. Uh, this is Nick. Um, you can say hi, Nick. Hello. Anyway, so um, I am uh, Jamie and Wendy's uh, second oldest son, um, and so we've been going to South Point for almost six years now, which is kind of crazy. Um, but if I were to associate myself with any biblical character, if I had um, my pick, I don't think uh, Philip would necessarily be my choice. 
um, or near the top of the list. Uh, to be honest, uh, Peter and Paul seems much cooler to me, and that could just be my uh, main character complex. But uh, yeah, he, Philip, Philip would not be my first choice. Uh, on a service level reading, it does not seem like he carries a ton of weight into the greater story of John or the gospel. Um, even in the little verses that he's in, he gets quickly overshadowed by his brother Nathaniel. And so when Tanner asked Nick and I if we would share our story, um, and I was told that I was going to be Philip, uh, it honestly did not make a lot of sense to me uh, at the first, first go-over. Uh, first, because I, I did not think that my story really fit along with Philip's, but also because, as you're going to hear, Nick's testimony is, is much stronger and easily like, self-sustaining with than my story. But when we uh, began reading the the story, and we began reading these texts and discussing how our story kind of wove together um, with this story. I could not think of a better, like, story and characters that align with Nick and I's relationship. For Philip, when he encountered Christ, all that, the only thing he could think about was to bring his brother, the person dearest to him, to encounter him as well. And I could say that this was pretty much the same experience for myself and with Nick and the, the relationship that we share. I first encountered Jesus a little while ago, and all I could think about was to bring somebody along. And so for me, my story begins like six years ago with my family's move to Rhode Island. Uh, the, spring, the spring before we moved there, or the spring after we moved there, my goal was to try and uh, make the Tollgate High School baseball team, because uh, I played baseball all throughout my, all throughout my life. Uh, but there, were, there, was a, there was a catch to it, though. Uh, I was a homeschooled uh, pastor's kid from the Midwest whose dad moved there to be part of a church. Uh, so to say that my odds of making any friends um, was pretty low, uh, let alone just avoiding, you know, being teased. Uh, but that's, you know, it's needless to say. Uh, but I truly felt that part of the reason that God was calling me specifically to Rhode Island was because I was supposed to be on this baseball team and that I was going to try to be a light to some of the guys on the team. And that's when Nick and I met, uh, was both of us playing our first year at Tollgate Baseball. Nick was a, a freshman. I was, I was a declared sophomore. We hit it off fairly quickly. Uh, we, were, we would talk some at practice. We would hang out. We would, we would joke, have a good time. But I think the moment I knew uh, I, Nick and I were going to get along was when we were paired up together for Blitz Day for our team fundraiser. And Nick went to go, like, knock on somebody's door to go sell, and they had a little beagle. Uh, that was out in the yard and started charging at Nick and Nick ran the like away from it as if it were a rabid wolf. Um, it was by far the fastest I've ever seen him run and I played baseball with him for three years. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was good. Soon after this though, um, you know, I was kind of when we solidified our friendship was that experience of, of selling tickets together. And he invited me to play on a rec team together, and, and so we grew closer throughout the summer. And Nick would then frequently come over and, and spend the night at our house and hang out all the time. And uh, as, as we began to get closer to Nick, my brother and I, we, we kind of decided that uh, we, re we recognized the deeper calling that God had kind of began to place on our hearts, that uh, you know, we, should, we should start to try to help Nick to encounter Jesus as well. 
And so we would use what we, what we thought was a really clever trick. And so originally Nick was coming over on Friday nights. And so instead we would be like, hey, why don't you come over on a Saturday night? And then you can just, we can just hang out, you know, Sunday morning. Uh, when in reality, my definition of hanging out was that he would go push road cases in a movie theater and set up church on Sunday. Um, so, because we all miss those times. Um, so that's what we did for a while. And then later that summer, we left for CIY Move which is, uh, if you don't know what it is, uh, Marla talked about it a little bit on The Scoop. It is a, basically a retreat for high school students for a week in the summer where they get to go to a college campus. This year they're going to Tennessee, and they just get to escape from the world around them, just completely disconnect from like, all of the tension that life brings um, just on a regular basis, let alone um, some of the stuff recently that we've had to deal with, and really focus in on what God is trying to communicate with them. And it's an incredible week. Um, and so this, though, though Nick did, actually didn't go on this week of CIY, he was certainly on our minds and in our hearts as, as we were going throughout. And, and this week was the week that I would say that I encountered the real Jesus. You know, I'd grown up in church my whole life. My dad's been a pastor for as long as I can remember. And I would say that I lived a life that certainly honored him and that certainly, like, pleased God, and on, on a surface level, you'd be like, man, like, Isaac's a pretty good Christian dude, but um, inside, that was not the case, and this, this summer really changed everything. It, it, lit a, it lit a fire underneath me that I wanted to bring whoever I could to experience the same thing that I actually got the opportunity to experience at this week, and I could not think of a better person than the guy who is quickly becoming more of a brother than a friend, uh, which was Nick. And it honestly reshaped my entire framework as, as to why I would bring Nick to church in the first place. You know, it, it switched from being something that I was told to do in the Bible, and because I was told to do it, you know, I'm just going to do it, um, to something that I really actually deep, deeply desired to do with all my being. And that was the difference that Christ made when I encountered Jesus. That was the shift that happened. It went from a task to check off a list to a yearning that I really felt in my heart. And as I was reflecting on, the, on these feelings uh, and we're reading the story, I began to wonder myself if Philip felt the same way, that when he experienced the Messiah for the first time, that all he could think about was his brother Nathaniel. He's like, I got to go tell my brother. And that he too was so impacted by, by the gospel that it created this inner desire for those closest to him to meet him. And so my brother and I, we, we devised a second clever plan. Um, we would save up one dollar every day. And we would pay for, for Nick to come to CIY with us the next year. And so that's what we did, $1 every day. Um, and so I would, I would love to say that I took what I learned the year before and I built on it and I became holier and closer to God, you know, all those, all those fun things. But um, sadly to say, like, it was the opposite for me. By the time the next year came around, all, all that fire that was lit underneath me, even though I was still saving the money to bring Nick, had completely fizzled out. I, I was struggling with doubts in my mind on whether this, like, I really believed this whole Jesus thing, you know? It, is what I believed, was it real, you know? And with these doubts, it manifested itself into several sin patterns for me. First of which being pride. And I, I feel like that's one that, like, a lot of people say, you know, I struggle with pride. But, like, for me, it looked like, it looked like a real deep inner sin that every time I, I could not walk into a room like this or anywhere without evaluating my standing and figuring out exactly where I matched up. I would either push others down 
to make, or, or I'd puff myself up to until, like, in my own head, I became the most important or even sillier, like the coolest person in the room. And this pride caused me to discount others to where I thought they weren't as good or could not do the same things that I could do. And it caused me to judge them for their wrong thinking or doing. As if I'm somebody who was better or had it all figured out. Uh, the second thing that it manifested itself into uh, was sexual sin and sexual brokenness. Through an addictions, uh, several addictions to pornography and, and a shift in the way of the perspective that I viewed both women in my eyes and in my heart. It manifested itself in the third way, which is through lying. Uh, through both obvious lies to other people that would make myself seem more impressive than I actually am, or lying, you know, to people to help them believe the facade or the mask that I was, that I was putting on myself as I was trying to just posture myself in front of them. And these, these three sins kind of, like, would conglomerate together into this terrible false dichotomy that I believed, which was that I was not as sinful as everybody else around me so I could justify my actions, but internally I was far too sinful for God to even love me. And so these were the traps and these distrusts that I felt of God as I was trying to help Nick to encounter Jesus. But despite these things, God was still using me in a way that I couldn't comprehend and I couldn't understand. At the CIY, you know, spoiler alert, Nick, Nick decided to dedicate his life to Jesus officially that week. And so despite the doubts that I had in my mind, I had the absolute privilege of witnessing the full power of the gospel in its fullest sense. And that Jesus, through Nick, had simultaneously squashed my doubts and gave me the ability to know that righteousness is not about what I do, but it has everything to do with about what Christ did. Nick was, was not the only one who had his heart restored at the CIY, but God was also doing a restorative work on me, and it, and it set me on a path of slowly identifying and slowly healing from the sin wounds that I had created for myself for such a long time. But honestly, the craziest part about all of this for me, as we were talking about this, is I, I thought, you know, the journey for Nick really started at this CIY move. But what I didn't know is that Jesus was actually with Nick underneath the fig tree the entire time. So when I think back on my life before I met Jesus, it, it kind of makes me wonder and think about where I would be at in my life. Because before Jesus, I think back, I couldn't really love myself for who I was. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves, uh, like earlier on in high school, um, was when someone I knew would act one way with one group, but then they would completely switch who they are uh, with a separate group. Um, and I think back on that, and, and that was me to a T. Um, I wanted each person I had a relationship with to constantly see the best in me at all times. And I thought by trying to be friends with everybody and be a part of every friend group, um, it would kind of give me a fulfillment that I was looking for. Um, meeting Isaac through baseball was, was kind of a blessing in disguise. We started to get pretty close when I invited him to come play for the rec league, uh, separate from our high school team. But little did I know that he would now be considered someone I, my brother, um, 
more than a friend. Uh, I would end up sleeping over his house on Saturday nights, and then they would fool me to help set up on Sunday mornings. <laughs> um, but these, these were my first time encountering Jesus um, personally. Uh, but as I continued to go, I realized that Jesus was with me through my whole life, and he has been working through me my entire life. I just, I just didn't know it. Um, just as he was with Nathaniel under the fig tree. Um, after a few months of, you know, visiting South Point, I decided to go to CIY with the, with the youth group. And like Isaac said, that was where I decided to dedicate my life to serving Jesus. Um, I made the realization that I was not going to be able to live my life without him by my side. And that summer, I was on just such a spiritual high that all I wanted to do was just be constantly learning about him and just getting to know him more and growing my relationship with him. But eventually, the fall would come rolling back around after that summer, and I would have to go back to high school. Um, all my previous fears came rolling back around, um, and I didn't have it in me to tell anybody in my high school about the summer I just had. I didn't have it in me to tell people I became a Christian and that I, become, that I go to church. Um, I didn't have it in me to go to some of my best friends who I thought I could tell everything. I didn't even have the courage to tell them about the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Um, I was kind of scared to tell them, to have that conversation with them, because going to public school, uh, I just kind of assumed the conversation would look like them calling me crazy for believing in any of this stuff, and ultimately they would turn away from me. Um, and through prayer and through conversations with Dustin, um, I came to the realization that I'm not going to be able to change everybody's hearts with my words. Jesus meets people where they're at. Um, so even though people may turn away from me, um, it may take a different situation or a different conversation to, for a change in heart. Um, but I think it's important that we continue to pray and love people where they're at. Um, and walk alongside them through their journey. Yeah. Um, so, as we kind of bring this, wrap this up, bring it to a close, um, you know, there, there are different pieces that, of our story that we want to use to kind of summarize and help you guys, like, take something away from this. Um, just a couple, couple points of application, each from our individual stories. First actually comes from both of ours, which is um, a little bit of a plug. Um, but CIY Move has played a major role in both of our stories. Um, you know, Nick and I both respectively work with students fairly regularly. Um, Nick out here and, and me back where I go to college. And one of the things that we know is that there is a deep desire in, from students to encounter Jesus. Um, and this is a week that they really get the opportunity to sit and disconnect from the world around them and, and connect with what God is trying to, trying to tell them. And so if, you, if you're a student or you have a student or you know a student that this is something that they might be interested in, please like uh, reach out to Dustin um, or you can even reach out to Nick and they would find a way to get you um, connected with that. Um, and if you don't, then they're selling shirts, and there are students who are going on the trip already and need help paying for it. And so by buying those, you know, you can, you can really help some of these students have an encounter with Jesus. And so with that, that's kind of that's my plug. But 
with that out of the way, the piece that I want you to take away from my story is we say at South Point a lot, one of our culture statements is that we believe that God uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways, and I wholeheartedly believe that. But what I want you to take away from my story is that I think it goes a layer deeper than that, that God actually uses broken people in extraordinary ways. You know, sin has this, has this ability to cripple us and to make us not want to do anything, to make us apathetic towards everything around us, especially to the will of God. And it doesn't matter how sinful you are or what you did this week, you really have the ability to do God's will today. And God still loves you. I mean, I, I think I didn't convey this well last, last hour, so I want to get it said. It's not like I, you know, encountered Jesus and magically I stopped sinning altogether. You know, this is something that I'm still working for. And, it, you know, it's still remnants of, you know, it's not to the same degree that it was at, but it, I still have the remnants of the sin patterns that I have. But God is continually doing the healing process, and the difference is that I know that I can still do God's will despite my sin. And so with that said, Romans 1, 16 through 17, I think conveys it perfectly for me. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so despite me being a person who could not walk into a room without evaluating his own standing, despite me being a person who is crippled from the weight of sexual sin, despite me being a person who constantly lived with the anxiety of wearing a mask and the fear that somebody was going to look behind it and see the broken person that lied beneath, God still used me in an extraordinary way, and I really can't hit, it, hit this enough, but it's not about what I do, but everything about what he did. God was first faithful to the promise that he made to me and to all of us, and all I had to do was remain faithful to him. It had nothing to do with my righteousness. It had nothing to do with what I did. It had everything to do with God's faithfulness. And that truth is what helped make me and continues to make me unashamed of his gospel. I'm going to read um, John 3, 16 and 17. And you've probably heard it a million times if you've come to church for a little while. Um, but the truth still holds. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He loved his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no amount of judgment that can outweigh God's love for us. Um, I spent so much time in fear and worrying about the words, how the words of others would make me feel that, I, that ultimately hold zero weight in my life. Um, and there could have been that person who really needed to hear about Jesus. Um, Though recently, I have been bringing some of my high school friends to the church to go play basketball in the gym right across the little hallway, little breezeway. Um, and honestly, I was a little hesitant to even ask them to come play here because I wasn't sure how they were going to respond to come play at a church. Um, but it was the middle of winter when I asked, so it was freezing outside. So, I mean, I offered a place to play inside, so they were pretty stoked when I asked. Um, but God's definitely been at work. Um, through me, uh, he, they've been asking some pretty, some, some surface level questions, but even that, um, I had just never expected. 
I thought we were just going to go play basketball and that was it. But, but some of the questions they've been asking me, uh, it gives me, gives me hope. Um, and you know, maybe one day I'll come in with a couple more friends. Um, but I dedicated my life to following Jesus and loving those around me and others' words, um, will not change how much I love Jesus. Um, I know Jesus loves me, and he's going to continue to use me and all of us to do incredible things to further his kingdom. Such an inspiring story, an encouraging story uh, to me to see people who are living this out. I, I love what Isaac was talking about when he said that not only does God use ordinary people in extraordinary ways, but uh, also broken people. Uh, and so oftentimes we can see our own brokenness uh, very clearly. We can see what we are facing seems to be weighing in on us, uh, but I'm going to reread this scripture that he read uh, as we prepare for communion here. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the first part of it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We look at the power of God, that this good news of Jesus, this good news that Jesus is in fact, is king. We, we sang this, and this is true, that he is king over, over our brokenness, over our sin, that he does save us, but also over death, and that's what we're celebrating when we celebrate communion. Uh, we take crackers and juice to remember that, yes, his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, but that he beat death, that he's actually king over death and conquered death, and uh, for that, we have life, and that is worth celebrating. So I'm going to say a prayer. After my prayer, I encourage you to get up, move to a station if you're here in the room, uh, take communion, come back, sit at your seat, and reflect on this fact that Jesus is king, that the gospel is the power of God for all who believe. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for uh, the ways that uh, you can use uh, very ordinary people. We are all ordinary people. Uh, and there are moments and seasons where we feel very, very close to you, and then there are moments and seasons where we feel uh, that all we can see is our brokenness. So oftentimes we just live by those feelings. We believe that those feelings are reality, uh, and it is right now that we declare Jesus that you are king, that you are over all of those feelings. You're over all the brokenness, the shame, the sin, and ultimately over the last enemy to be conquered, and that is death. And so we praise you for that. Help us reflect on that right now in this moment and help this, this reflection change and shape our entire week. Uh, we love you. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen.